0: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com host
1: it started as an innocent comment in a whatsapp chat what rule would you change in football and it got us talking for a long time so we've decided to turn that original seed into a podcast now we've had plenty of input from you at home, some frankly brilliant suggestions and not a whiff about VAR. We'll have the pick of the bunch later on, but for now, I'm Ben Snowball and I was delighted to be graced with the presence of Carrie Dunn, Marcus Foley and Pete Sharlan for the latest Game of Opinions, enjoy. Of course you know the drill by now, snappy opening statements then tear each other apart. Carrie what rule are you changing or adding
2: i am adding a rule about concussion substitutes now this is something that i absolutely bang on about all the time every time there's a major incident about it i always always talk about this because i get really really angry at footballers and coaches and referees and doctors failing to understand what the actual protocols about concussion is so i think what they should do is bring in temporary concussion subs gives everyone time to do their jobs Um, A hit player can recover while being checked out properly. A doctor can do their job properly. A team doesn't suffer due to lack of numbers. So then if a player isn't concussed, they can return to a match and the sub can go back onto the sidelines. The player is concussed. Quick medical attention can prove the difference and they've got a player on the pitch already. No one's going down to 10 men. There's no uh, disadvantage in terms of numbers. So concussion subs something I feel really strongly about.
1: I think we're probably going to struggle to pick holes in that one somewhat. Pete Sharland, I believe you had a late change of heart. What have you gone for?
3: Yeah, I've had a late substitution of my own. I want to talk about penalty kicks. As anyone who's ever faced against a penalty knows, it is nigh on impossible if you're the keeper and imagine if you actually get the opportunity to save a penalty and then you look up and all you see is this striker who's missed his penalty gleefully running up to you and smashing the ball in from one yard and wheels off celebrating as if he's the best thing in the world. Now it's time to change that. Once you've taken the penalty, the ball goes dead. That's it. If keeper saves it, you
1: can't score. Hachalette, love it, love it. Marcus Foley, third up. Um, substitute linked
4: as well. I think match day squads should be changed from seven subs down to three um, or four. Basically, I think, Being able to name seven subs has allowed the elite level clubs to stockpile players um, and basically just reduce competition domestically in Europe. So I think if you reduce
1: that down, then you won't have so much of that and you have more competition in the league. And completing the lineup is me. Now imagine a world where time wasting doesn't exist, where counterattacks aren't stopped by deliberate fouls, where players who dive are properly punished. Of course, it's Sinbin's um, I think yellow cards are probably the most pointless thing in the modern game now. Um, they're rarely a long-term punishment. It's not very often you see two yellows turned into a red, which means that players can get away with dissent, with time-wasting, uh, with diving, and that could all be eradicated with a 10-minute sim bin, which is what I'm proposing, a 10-minute sim bin for most yellow card offences. There'd be two exceptions, goalkeepers, because you can't have outfield players going in goal for 10 minutes, however entertaining that would be, um, and celebrations. I don't care if you're Ryan gigsing it down the pitch um, or Emmanuel badde by ing it in front of um, old fans. I don't care about that. But stuff that kind of is aimed at cheating in the game or dissent to the referee, I think should result in a 10-minute simbin. And you'd also get plenty of 11 on 10s, 11 on 9s, 10 on 10s that would make the game more entertaining.
2: Why can't you have outfield players going and go? If you're going to do it, go the whole hog with it.
1: Carrie, Carrie, I love your enthusiasm. And, I, and I'm, quite, I'm quite sad that I've been so reluctant. I've really put the brakes on what is a sensational idea. Stuff so it, let's change it. Let's put outfield players in goal. I mean, some of them are quite good. Carl Walker seems to have a good stint. Harry Kane, less so. I remember seeing an advert where Wayne Rooney was quite decent as well. You're right. If we're going to make football more entertaining, why not let uh, outfield players go in goal? Because it means keepers wouldn't take time over time wasting. So as you can see, my argument's already disintegrating. But oh, oh, no, we'll, we'll say not disintegrating. We'll say evolving.
2: Evolving good word. Yeah.
3: Uh, From my point of view, I'm someone who plays amateur level football where uh, Simbins have been introduced and I actually played in a game last season where we, my team was temporarily reduced to nine men uh, due to Simbins. Uh, And then we actually had a man sent off. So for a little bit, we were down to eight men, which was not as catastrophic as you may think. My, uh, my concern is, is that if you're bringing in Simbins for simulation and stuff like that, are you then going to bring them in for abuse to the referee and the officials as well?
1: Yeah, 100%. I think anything that kind of blights the game, as I said, I think now there's only one exception to that, which is uh, yellow cards for celebrations. I think if you're if you're telling the referee in no uncertain terms to four-letter word off, um, or if you're cheating or diving, then I think, yeah, of course, just blanket. Because the weird thing about yellow cards currently is the suspension is kind of delayed. So you could pick up uh, five yellow cards against Tottenham, Burnley, Bournemouth, Newcastle and Arsenal. And then serve the suspension, your one-match suspension against Manchester City. Like, why should they win a suspension lottery? It just makes no sense. Give the reward to the team that's had an attack brought down, has had someone try and cheat against them by diving. No,
3: I get
4: that. Yeah, it's an interesting idea, but I'd probably say
1: you get to the point
4: where, if you remember the battle at a bridge where Tottenham had nine players booked, I think it could lead to a ridiculous situation where you know, there's literally no one on the pitch, A. Eh? And B, you say like, oh, it'd be great to have 10 on nine, but I don't think it would because actually it fundamentally changes how the game's played. And teams teams are set up and trained and coached to play 11-11. And I think, yes, that's fine if it goes to 10, if it goes down to nine men um, for the whole game because someone's done something absolutely savage and needs to be sent off. But if you're doing it in the middle of the game and it's changing all the time, I just think it completely impacts on the flow of the game and actually it will make it less entertaining.
1: So I think if you see it in in rugby, where you have 14 on 15 quite often, it's more entertaining. You have one team really trying to press back and trying to hold on for 10 minutes. In ice hockey with power plays, it's, it's worked successfully. No one knows how it would work in football. I mean, it's obviously been trialled in um, youth level. I just think it'd be a really interesting experiment to see. You're right, maybe eight on eight wouldn't be entertaining. But I think the idea of teams having to sacrifice attackers for defenders are actually saying it's eight on eight. Let's just keep five attackers on and see if we can score four goals in this time. I think that would make for a much more entertaining Can
3: I just pick up on what Marcus said about the uh, battle of the bridge game because actually they got me thinking just then in derbies, I worry then that you would maybe see a slight reduction in the passion and aggression that what is what makes derbies great because then if players are worried about costing their team for 10 minutes or so and in a derby in particularly when you have players flying in quite regularly and obviously No one wants players to get hurt, but what often makes the Derby special is those really robust, difficult, hard challenges. And I think you might lose that if players are starting to get worried about they'll be off the pitch for 10 minutes or so. Whereas in the past, you have a lot of teams who are tactically very good at sharing the yellow cards around to ensure that they are still trying to put their stamp on the game without losing players.
4: Plus as well, I think you've got the the addition of VAR. Does VAR come into it and decide in Simbins? Because if it does, I mean, that would be...
1: No, 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 no VAR. No VAR for obvious reasons. It slows slows the game down. This is just, and I think in derbies it's a fair point, but then I think it's down to the referee to kind of gauge the atmosphere and actually say, because often they say, oh, he lets the first one go. And maybe it is a case of that um, just kind of being a bit more relaxed. But I think we've, I think we've trodden Simbins. I think, Carrie, you're, you're sitting there patiently ready for us to tear you apart on something that we can't really, we can't really tear you apart on. But if there was one argument against concussion subs. It is that if Josie Mourinho, for example, is organising a training session on a common, uh, he's flouting government (laughs) rules. I don't think he's necessarily going to care about telling Davison Sanchez to go down with a head injury so he can bring on Harry Kane to score a last minute winner, uh, even when Davison Sanchez doesn't have concussion.
2: No, I think you're right. But then you can equally say that about any rule in football that he could quite blatantly ignore and flout. So... Yeah, I get it. There, There is always going to be abuse of any laws in football, to be honest, and particularly one like this that does, by necessity, bring in that amount of trust, I guess, flexibility in terms of using a substitute. But I don't think that necessarily negates um, its introduction. I think that football has had its chance to sort itself out with you know, the concussion protocols and with managers being trusted to make the right decisions for their players, but it hasn't happened. I mean, we saw you know Jan Vertonghen last season with that concussion. Uh, before, we've seen Anthony Martial and that terrible head injury. and We've seen the same things in the, in the World Cup final. These players playing on because they're worried about leaving their team down to 10 men at any point in a game. You've got a concussion sub, they can go straight off, they can be checked over and they haven't got to be concerned about leaving their team at a disadvantage. So the managers and players have that concern take away from them. I think it's just something worth bringing in, giving it a go because, you know, brain injury is really dangerous. We're seeing you know, the repercussions of it with the previous generations of footballers now. And I don't want to see it happen to this generation or future generations of players.
3: I'm I'm reluctant to turn this episode of the podcast into Pete's fireside stories, but I have been concussed when playing amateur football, and you the the, the mentality that stupid mentality thing is real. Like you, I actually felt bad letting my team down, even though I know all the de- uh, the dangers of concussions and stuff. And like, it's a stupid thing to think, but when you're in the moment and your like, adrenaline is pumping, you can't help but think that. And it is really difficult to make an argument against what Carrie's saying. I guess my counter points with actually more like suggestions and stuff. And how long would you have it on? Would you have a set amount of time where the player has to be off for, or would it be a temporary thing where the players are off until the medical staff are happy with it? Or would it be like quick like once they're on they once they're off, they're on again, because obviously then you have to make a decision on if the player is deemed medically unable to carry on, do they have to make that sub again, or can the guy who's come on stay
2: on? I mean, I would suggest that a concussion sub is kind of separate from your substitute substitutes, I suppose. And I think we would say it's temporary, but for as long as necessary. So if a player is withdrawn from the field of play permanently, that player who's come on for him can stay on. That would just be my suggestion, but I'm open to better ideas.
3: I guess the follow-up, the follow-up then would be, if we're going to start doing that for concussions and you say, oh, if a concussion is like he can't carry like the player can't carry on they have to come off why aren't we going to do that for serious leg breaks or something like that what if a player goes off for a leg break why would we not have an injury, a designated injury sub that then could encapsulate uh, concussions and say other injuries
2: because you don't really need kind of 10 to 15 minutes to assess a leg break. <laughs> that's kind of pretty clear once it's happened. So you know you're going to have to make that substitution. With, with a blow to the head or something that looks like it might be a blow to the head, you need to take that time to get that um, assessment of the player and the injury right. And that's why I think maybe keep it separate from your rest of your substitutes, maybe.
3: Okay, but then if you're in a situation where you've made three, you've made all your three substitutions, the player goes down with a concussion injury... And then the medical staff say okay this player can't carry on we've got to make a change uh we've got to use a concussion sub in another injury it doesn't matter how long it takes to diagnose the injury you would be left with 10 players but in this situation this injury allows you to stay with 11 players is that are we saying that concussions are different than from other injuries in that level
2: i think they are actually I, i i would differentiate between a concussion and other injuries at this point And and again, maybe we say this is just for a troll period, see how it works. I mean, I don't know how often, you know, that would happen, that you would use all three subs and then have a player that goes down with concussion. So I think that's probably going to be a unique unique situation. But um, yeah, it's a potential. Like I said, it might get abused. You might have kind of little loopholes like that. But I think overall, I think it's a a decent enough rule to be brought in.
3: I'd say it's a testament to the argument that you've made that I've had to go to a very specific and unique situation to try and poke some kind of hole in it.
1: Marcus, I wonder if you had any views on this, because obviously when we played a football match together once, uh, I'm sure you'll love me mentioning this, you've gone up for a header. You're you're about 20 yards away from where the ball is, and there's a guy standing underneath it, and instead of going up to win the header, you've run up, or instead of backing off, to be honest, because you're so far away, you've just run up and absolutely clobbered this guy in the head with your own head you've gone down in a daze, have kind of come back on and then you're kind of caught in that weird situation as well.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think the most important thing to make clear is I was clearly going for the ball. <laughs>
3: <I just laughs> I just want to
4: to get out. out here first. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a tough one. I was, I think part of the issues with con- concussion injuries are actually a lot of the time when you're concussed, you don't know you're concussed. So then that can make the decision-making process even worse. Like for example, anyone who saw Jan Vertonghen in that, it was against Man City in a Champions League. Anyone who witnessed that knew he was concussed. For some reason, he didn't, or it certainly looked like he didn't, and he's, he's come back onto the pitch or whatever. I think, yeah, I, it's a strange one, because my only thing would be to, to, to ask, why hasn't it happened before? Like It, it, it's, it, it shouldn't be part of this debate, because it should already be a rule. It 100% should be, as Kerry said, because they're serious, and actually they have, you know, like you can recover from, you can recover from a broken leg, but concussion can have long, long-term impacts. And then it's, you know, if you do go to the hospital after getting a concussion, they're like, no sport for three weeks. Someone's just got concussed and then two minutes later, they're going up for another header. I mean, that, I mean, yeah, it's, it's just a rule that has to come in. Um, so I've removed this from this debate on the basis that it's definitely a rule that has to come in
1: and the rest of us just debate <laughs> our other terrible ideas. All right, Foley, given that you want to debate the other ideas, you had the creative freedom to change any rule and all you've done is reduced a few substitutes. Why? Why are you... Why? Um,
4: yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's an interesting question uh, from yourself. Uh, what I'd say is I personally think that elite level European football has been completely and utterly ruined by the lack of competitiveness in it. Now, there have been means which have been tried to use by the governing bodies to, to increase competitiveness like financial fair play, but they've been circumvented. Um, I genuinely think that the use of substitutes and the number of substitutes, if you were to reduce that, that could actually stop the stockpiling of players. Basically, elite-level athletes, elite footballers, have very big egos, right? And the thing is, if you look in my article, I I took the example of Manchester City. If you look at their last Premier League game, their bench was made up of Claudio Bravo, 17 million quid, John Stones, 47, Gabriel Jesus, 27, 27. David Silver 25, Cancelo, 35, Otamendi 28, and Phil Foden, nothing. Roughly 180 million quid. That shouldn't be sitting on a bench, but because you have the opportunity of being in seven substitutes and the likelihood is you will come on, or a great likelihood that you will come on, I think players are moving to clubs, not as starters, for massive money, and I think it's ruined the competitiveness of the league. So if you had to reduce that to three players, then there's no way City'd have that bench. There's no way they'd have that strength in depth, and then that would be a way of trying
1: to stop the stockpiling of players. A fair example with Manchester City, but say you're a 17-year-old at a middling Premier League team. You're unlikely to get a start. They've got a pretty consistent team, but a few injuries in the squad players means you've got a chance just to sit on the bench. You're taking away that experience from youngsters, potentially. (laughs) Um,
2: You're ruining the dreams of children, Marcus, (laughs) is what he's saying. (laughs) (laughs)
4: Um, Again, a fair point, and... Look, I'm not an unreasonable character, so what I would do is I'd be willing to make a change. So the three players on your bench, you can only name three signed players on your bench. You could still have seven, but they would have to come through your academy. And that couldn't be signed to your academy when they're 17 to circumvent it. There'd have to be a set period of time. So if you're there from 14 or 15.
3: I just don't understand why, what this would end up achieving. Surely the way to look at this is to limit wages and transfer spend on as to a better regulate regulatory level because as snowball says i i think otherwise you're going to get into a situation where in the world that you're creating teams would have smaller squads and they would the, the the uh the wealth sorry the wealth of talent would be distributed more fairly and if teams were short they'd have to use their academy players but we've seen teams in the past go through horrendous injury runs and you've got like seven or eight first teamers out and then a lot of the time teams get by on the strength of the squad. Are you saying then that in the future they're going to have to get by on the strength of their academy or something? Which I'm not necessarily against. I just think that you could end up with a situation where teams are having to field like five or six, 17 or 18-year-olds.
4: Yeah, basically. Um, I think... uh, (laughs) Look, it's just... You know, look, Phil Foden... I mean, he's class, right? Barely starts for Man City. So there's an example of someone who who is fantastic, has the ability to be playing in the Premier League every week without doubt or question, in my opinion. And how many games has he started this season?
3: Is he going to start more though if you've got... like City is still going to have a world-class front six to pick from and they're still going to probably have one or two world-class options on the bench in those positions. Like if I'm... If I'm Pep Guardiola and you're limiting me to say I presume, what, one keeper sub and three outfield subs? You presume then, correctly. Then, Then you're saying that... Oh... I'm going to I'm gonna start Sergio Aguero. I'm going to have Gabriel Jesus on my bench. I'm going to start, say, Raheem Sterling and, I don't know, uh, David Opinado Silva and the two wide men. You're going to have, say, Riyad Mahrez on the bench. You're going to have options there to turn to. And I still think that it comes down to the individual manager and the players in question. Because I still don't think that Guardiola, with four, with four subs, is looking at any of his three academy subs that he's allowed and looking at them to change the game. He's looking at his big multi-million signings that are going to be on sitting on that bench. So until you can get into a situation where that is sort of monitored more and actually the spending is limited, therefore the clubs have to bring in these academy players a lot earlier and actually maybe then you have to go back to the quota rule and look at other leagues like that. I don't know. Because Or it's just a cultural thing because other leagues don't have, don't have as many issues with this as we do.
2: I think what you're saying is that the substitute rule that Marcus is proposing could work in conjunction with other rules that need to be brought in as well. Because I don't think on the face of it, what Marcus is saying is actually wrong. I, I know I would like to see kind of clubs giving young players or academy players a chance. Um, I think basically, as you're talking, as you're all talking, I'm kind of thinking maybe I'm getting old because I like the idea of outfield players going in goal. I want there to be fewer substitutes. I want young players to be given a chance. So essentially, I think it's a rule for middle aged people. I'm strongly in favour of it. I'll
3: take that. I think you've got, I don't think this is an age specific thing. I think you've got loads of people, young and old, who just want more local players playing for their clubs and less. Of, of the obscene amount of money flying about. Like I think everyone, in terms of that and that alone, I think everyone can get behind that. There can't be too many people who want the sort of spending to keep going on as it's going on right
4: now. Just quickly, an answer to your question about like the three players. You, I think you said you'd have, I don't know, Gabriel Jesus, Bernardo Silva and someone else on the bench. But I think the argument would be that you would actually have probably, you'd have one centre-half, one centre-mid and one forward. So then that opens up the option for someone like Foden. So say, for example, I don't know, David Silva is having a poor game. He gets subbed for Bernardo Silva. And then someone goes down injured, you get Phil Foden on. That, that's where it sort of comes from the angle of more opportunity,
1: I think. Lovely. Let's move on to Pete Sharn's argument. And then we're going to take a few of the fans' ones on kind of a quick fire round. Uh, Pete, you've said that you don't want the ball to kind, You want the ball to stop dead as soon as the, kind of, the penalties either hit the net or be saved or hit the, the post or whatever. Do you not think that's taking away some of the excitement? And I appreciate your your remarks that as a goalkeeper, it's just like, Oh, for goodness sake, I've made this worldy save and then someone's tapped it in. But do you not think that is that that's the great drama of a penalty where everyone just descends on this penalty area, like an old school five, a side batch of five-year-olds. Everyone just sucked towards the ball.
3: No, cause it's not really that. And the only reason why you have to do that is because it's the, the inane rules that we have in place already. Look, I'll, I've got bias. I'll be goalkeepers union until I die. But I just think that you're already putting goalkeepers at such a strong disadvantage. And I understand that, that like, the argument is there is that because you've committed a foul in the box, so therefore your team is being punished accordingly. But a lot of the times, some of the fouls that are made in a box are like, say, a winger dancing down to the byline. He gets tripped up by the fullback. Why on earth does that situation then automatically mean that a player gets to have a free shot of goal from 12 yards out? If you're going to do that, you've got to try and reduce the biasness towards the striker. Like, I think the data shows that on average, I think 75% of penalties are, shot, are scored, right? and then it's about 15 to 20% of saves, the rest are missed that is so unfairly weighted against the keepers and now they've brought in this stupid rule last year two years ago at the world cup where it's like oh if you come off your line by an inch we're going to make you retake it hey eh? are you are you kidding me like keepers have already got so much going against them and now if they creep an inch off their line you're going to start getting annoyed about it i mean i don't understand why you can't just say look if a keeper makes a save Fair play. He's done something that is statistically improbable, and he's done it. Allow him or her to make the save and move on from it. There's no need for strikers to be running in and tapping it in again.
1: All right, I I understand that, but if you're going to cite statistics that that make it look so harsh for goalkeepers. I wonder how many of them are actually scored and rebounds. Like, why don't you go up, go all out, and say, "I want two goalkeepers for a penalty," or "I want the penalty taken from the edge of the penalty area," or "I want," or like the old American style ones where they run from the halfway line.
4: Oh, the old American style ones, spot on.
3: Hang on, we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not playing like Pro Soccer '98 or something. Like, hang on, like we're still playing the game as it was intended. All I'm saying is that if a keeper makes a save. Which is normally as a result of either their good research or a striker m- mucking up their shot, then that's it. You don't. Like, why on earth is the striker getting a second attempt? Like, they've got an unbelievable opportunity to score a goal. Why are you having another crack at it? That doesn't make any sense.
4: Um, yeah. I'm not sure, Pete. I'll be honest with you. Um, yeah. Thank you. You know, n- no, no, I'm not, I'm not sure you're right, to be honest. <laughs> oh, come um, on. Get off <laughs> it. <laughs> Just, I don't know. Where'd you stop, like? Um, yeah. yeah. Beckham was sensational at free kicks. Do you, so if a keeper saves a free kick,
3: no, because a free, free kick is so much harder. You're taking it from further back. There are players in your way as well as the goalkeeper. Yeah, and he's got, and the goalkeeper's got so. It's the time to react, Marcus. As as a keeper, you have got a split second or less than that to react. At least with a free kick, if a player hits it well fair play you can't argue with that but if it's going sort of middling to the top corner like not quite there you've got the time to get over and react and even if it is going right in the top bins you've got the time to react and get across you haven't got that with no, a penalty
4: but to follow your argument and the keeper makes a save it's pretty hard luck on them if someone follows up and scores a free kick so do, no, do because, you then no, no, it not, not at to all free but,
3: kicks? but no because you've already because you've, you've set up a defensive structure to look after all the players involved who aren't taking the free kick in a penalty, there's no. If you're, if you're telling me that when you're standing outside the box, when your team's defending a penalty, and you're thinking about who you're marking if your keeper saves it, then you're a liar. You are a liar,
4: my friend. <laughs> <All> that. <laughs> <I> mean, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a bit strong, but I'll, I'll let it pass. Um, I'm still not sure, I'll be honest. Not for me. I think it takes away from the entertainment again. I remember um, Arsenal-Tottenham last season. Uh, a Young had a penalty save and the Vertonghen made an unbelievable goal-saving challenge on the line. Just brilliant. That just doesn't... That, yeah,
3: because but you remember those... But you remember those moments because they're so fleeting. If that was happening every week, then you wouldn't care. Like, they happen so rarely. But, but that's that right. why... But if we lose them, it doesn't matter. There are other. Like, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter if we lose them. Like, they happen so rarely. No. Because, time's because they happen so rarely, it does matter if you lose them, though. No, because... Because they're moments of like, brilliance that happen rarely. No, because then the flip side is that then it's a much fairer situation. Like it's already so unfair. Like you're trying to make this a fairer thing. And if the the loss we have from making it fairer is that it's, oh, we, we might lose two of these a season.
4: No, I don't care. I also think perhaps, and you don't know, that the number of penalties that are conceded may go up because actually risk and reward returns to sort of like the defending team, a little bit. So you might be someone who would who'd be reluctant to make a challenge, might make a challenge in the box, more penalties, but I don't know. Anyway.
3: Perhaps, but we encouraged that before when it was we removed the double jeopardy rule, which was fair enough because the double jeopardy rule was ridiculous. But you then encouraged, like you then said to players, look, you're not going to get sent off. You. And also as well, I would argue that actually in the last year or two, we're probably seeing a slight increase in the penalty save because keepers are getting so good at the research they're doing. So I don't know if that's going to be Especially if you're if you're a team who's got a keeper who is excellent at saving penalties, I don't know someone like Handanovic at Inter, like inherently somewhere in the subconscious, are you thinking like, oh, if I make a penalty, if I make a foul here in the box, it's not the worst thing in the world. But way.
1: let's move on to a few fan opinions. We canvassed uh, you on Twitter to get in touch with your rule changes. Some good suggestions, some frankly ridiculous ones. But there's four that I've got here, and we'll just if we just kind of spend ten, twenty seconds on each of them. Carrie, if I throw the first one to you. Andrew Kirkby says bring back the daylight rule with offsides now now obviously it was never a rule um but he wa- he wants daylights to to come in in offsides
2: yeah i mean the offside in this past season has just been an absolute oh, nightmare to watch to assess with obviously the assistant referees now being asked to flag so late and yeah the daylight rule although not I think it was something that actually people understood. They could see it. It was visible. It was easily understandable. Yes, for the love of God, let's have something like that back, please.
1: Perfect. Marcus, I'll turn to you with this next one. Um, PM Sutton says, um, if someone dives, <laughs> the opponent the opponent gets a free kick that they can redeem at any point in the game. <laughs> <laughs>
4: um, uh, no. <nah>. Um, <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> you, I mean, how do, how, do you, how do you redeem it? And, uh, and, like, what's the system? Like, for example, if, if, if someone's clean for a goal, do you, like, just put up your hand on a yeah, game? Absolutely yeah, absolutely that.
2: In WWE, the money in the bank briefcase. And you go, oh. yes, no, I want my free kick. Yeah, <laughs> so see that.
4: you
1: if be like the like manager
4: rather than players.
1: No, I yes. like the idea of the captain getting it as well, where you could just have okay. someone throw on a goal. Just go like that. Thank you, ref. Um, or in the 90th minute, you could be defending a corner and just go, actually, we'll have a free kick on the edge of their box, please. All I can see is Sergio
3: Ramos trying to desperately chase Kylian Mbappe, raising his hand, telling the referee, free
1: kick now, please, free kick now, please. <laughs> okay, well, I actually quite like that suggestion. Um, Anthony Hatter, um, we'll start with you here, Pete. Um, he wants multi-ball system. Um, the aim is to stop goalless straws. So if it's nil-nil after 20 minutes, 40 minutes or 60 minutes, um. They will introduce extra balls and then you have two, uh, two minutes to try and score with them um and so say there's five balls introduced you've got two minutes to try and score with them and if any ball leaves the play then that individual ball is dead Yeah, grip
3: and you let yourself down there man come on i mean what are we doing here why 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 don't we just let i don't know animals onto the pitch as well what there's no point for that at all like this is, if two teams are played out a nil-nil it means that one of two things either a Two managers have settled for a very boring and defensive game. Or two, the defenders and goalkeepers have actually done their job. Why do we want goals all the time? Maybe we can actually praise the defenders and goalkeepers for doing their jobs for once. No, not for me.
1: I think people would watch it more, say, Charlotte, than giraffe and elephant wandering around the pitch, as you suggested with animals. Um, But no, I get your point. Um, The final one, um, and Phil, who has um, wisely avoided using his surname, um, he said on Twitter, um, he wants to give the uh, the referee tasers uh, to punish anyone who argues with them. Anyone got any thoughts on that one? No. Sorry, Phil. I don't think you've uh, you've you've got much uh, reception there. Um, we did host a Twitter vote. Now, Pete Sharland, you'd actually originally gone for a stop clock. Mm. When we published this Twitter vote, that's what your your thing was, um, and that is actually leading the vote. Do you just want to quickly explain what a stop clock is?
3: Basically, there's so much of the game now where The clock keeps running, even the ball's out of play. So the basic proposition is that it's similar to the NBA. If the ball goes out of bounds or off the pitch in football, the clock stops and then the game, it doesn't proceed until that point on. It basically just was stopped time-wasting. For full uh, disclosure, the reason why I changed is because I thought about it and I actually realised that some of my favourite memories of football games are when you've got a Mourinho or Simeone team who are just doing everything in their power to waste the clock and winding up the opposition uh, fans and players. And that is of truly a glorious sight to behold. And I'm not entirely sure I'm ready to lose that just yet. Although what I would say is that in the coming years, football's probably going to have to have a self-reckoning with the length of its games. I think the younger generation may struggle more with 90-minute games moving forward. But that's probably a conversation for another
1: day. That is indeed a conversation for another day. So yeah, that's a Eurosport poll. It's open, I think, till Sunday. Currently leading the way, which rules should football change? Uh, stop clock, 37.1%. Sin bins, that's me, 33.1%. Concussion subs, carry 21.1%. Smaller match day squads, Marcus, 8.5%. Uh, your, <laughs> wide, your wide Irish family helping you out there. It's
4: a, it's a great rule. It's a great rule change.
1: Okay, absolutely perfect. Um, rather than doing a stick or, stick or twist here, I think we're all... Been very, very passionate about our own arguments. I think we all kind of know which way it's going to go. Um, all I can really do is say, I, I think that was quite good, actually. Well done, everyone. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Ben. You've been listening to another banging episode of Game of Opinions. Uh, please, please, please remember to tell everyone you've ever met about it and subscribe and share. Over and out.